0: Hi and welcome to the My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally podcast. I am your host Kat Jepson, a canine nutritionist with an innate obsession with dogs and the natural ways in which we are driven to live because of them. So let's get to it.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of My Dog Made Me Do It Naturally. I am your host Kat Jepson and I am joined here today by Gabriella. Hello Gabriella. Hi Kat, how are you? I'm very well thank you and how are you?
2: Good thank you, looking forward to it. Yeah,
1: we've got some juicy things to discuss today. So you are the doting dog mama to Maggie, who is a delicious bull mastiff yeah (laughs) that's right (laughs) (laughs) and um, Gabriella is joining us today to discuss how Maggie's eating habits changed during seasons and phantom pregnancies so this is a super interesting topic it's something that I have not personally had much experience with myself so I am really looking forward to getting to know more about your story Um, so Gabriella if you will please to start
2: with why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and Maggie yeah, sure. So um, Maggie is my uh, bull mastiff. She is three and a half years old um, and she is um, 53 kilos now. Um, <laughs> we live in the Surrey countryside um, and we love going on walks um, and eating lots and lots of nice food. Mm, that sounds like a good lifestyle
1: to me. <laughs> oh, well, she's very lucky to have you and to live in such a beautiful place. So what, tell us about your natural journey. So what does your natural journey look like and how
2: did it start for you? Um, so we have had Maggie since she was a puppy, eight weeks old. We collected her from the breeder. Um, she was weaned onto kibble um, and was wormed and fleed and all the kind of things that your vet recommends. Um, and when we brought her home, I don't think she did a solid poo from eight Ah. weeks old Ah. Um, and so naturally you're worried as a dog mom Um, and so I reached out did lots of research um, and eventually at ten months old no eight months old sorry we transferred Maggie over onto a raw diet. And, yeah, we kind of just hit the ground running and have never really looked back, to be quite honest with you. Um, So she's been raw fed since then. um, And gradually we started sort of taking a holistic approach to the lifestyle that we give Maggie. So in terms of um, we don't give tablets for fleeing and worming, Um, we try to approach things in a holistic way um, rather than jumping to medication for antibiotics, etc. So that's that's kind of how it started. And three and a half years later, it, it seems to be going well oh that's brilliant so did you say you you got a run to Rara eight months yes
1: so you had it from eight weeks to eight months and that was on kibble that was on kibble well it
2: was on a variety of things we must have changed her kibble multiple times put her onto a wet food mixed it with kibble and because we were trying to sort of work out the root cause as to why she was having the sloppy poos we thought it might be a food intolerance and it was just so many different things never really got to the bottom of it and someone said oh have you ever tried raw and I thought no I haven't it's the only thing I haven't tried and I was kind of desperate and willing to try anything if it meant she'd have a solid poo (laughs) Um, oh and yeah
1: it's a long time to not have a single solid poo, though. I mean, it is. that's. Did you take it to the vets or anything during that time yeah. because of it? Took it yeah. to the
2: vets multiple times, and the vets kind of thought I was an over overprotective, oversensitive <laughs> mum. You know, she's just <laughs> come home. She's probably nervous. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Here's some probiotic paste, which did absolutely nothing. And yeah, I it, and that's kind of where, I'm not lost faith in vets, but sort of thought right. What yeah. research can I do? What holistic approach can I take before taking her to the vets? Obviously, yeah. if there was an emergency, I would take Maggie to the vets. I'm not opposed to that, but it was yeah. kind of right. Every single little thing that goes wrong, maybe we don't need to go to the vets.
1: Yeah, I think I think like you say though, it is when you when you do when you start the role as a dog parent, especially if it's your first dog, I mean, a lot of us probably have dogs as children within the family, but it's completely different to having one when you're a grown-up yeah. and then you assume the full responsibility for that pet. And yeah. the this is how I was when I first got Beth, Betty and Boris. I was literally, I wanted to do the best that I could do, and that included doing everything that my vet told me to do. Um cool. Which is just, I think it is standard procedure for the majority of pet parents out there. And I think that's where this kind of anxiety about not believing that you are capable in finding out these things for yourself. In, exactly. In, yeah. It, it makes you scared to kind of do that and try different things. And then it's only when you've started to try different things and seen some results for yourself and seeing that, you know, oh, I've just fed my dog some human food. I can't believe they <laughs> did that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, then you They're think, still oh, living, okay. yeah. Yeah, like what, surely this is, you know. So, yeah. So, congratulations. Good on you anyway. So, well done for doing all the research and giving Maggie solid poo. Yeah.
2: And now, mm. solid poo all the time. So, you know, as a fellow raw food, raw feeder cat, you'll know that looking at poo is one of my uh, pastimes as a, as a raw feeder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think looking at poo in general is just something that you do when you become a dog parent because you have to. Because, I mean, obviously it tells us a lot about their health and what's going on. So if you don't inspect poo, then, you you know, you really need to be
2: You're missing out. Poo.
1: You are, you're missing out. I mean, right? how amazing is it to do the, the celebratory dance when you do get over that GI issue and there's a solid poo
2: and you're like, yes. Exactly, I mean, everything... something is working. There is light at the end of the tunnel.
1: I mean every day I'm checking the poos of Boris and Barney and I'm sort of like, mm, well, actually that's not quite where it needs to be. So today we're gonna do this. Oh, you know, like I think, oh, that's a good one, Boris. You know, and yeah. I'm actually saying it to him when I'm out on the walk, I bet people are thinking, What's she on
2: about? <laughs> oh, you sort of critically analyse that too, like, oh it could be better. So, it's an eight out of yeah. ten today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not
1: quite firm enough, but it's nearly there. <laughs> oh, yeah, the struggle Anyone is else real understand. I know I know <laughs> but it's just the thing that we do and actually you know it when you start doing worm counts and you have to start squishing it into the little boxes In a tiny becomes, box. yeah you just think ah, it's just poo you know
2: yeah that's all it is but the thing is I would I would hate to do it for someone else's dog my dog's poo is fine someone else's dog's poo no that's that's not it again. yeah
1: no I know I know it's strange isn't it strange. strange mentality
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Right. So moving on to kind of more in topic about what we're going to discuss today. So you have got maggie off processed dog food she's living a raw food she's thriving having solid poos and then she starts having seasons
2: yes so Um, maggie's season her first season because she's a larger dog um larger dogs normally start their seasons sort of much later i think if you have a smaller breed they start much younger um Mm -hmm. so maggie's first season was at 10 months old um and I, I remember it as if it was yesterday, to be quite honest with you. Um, she was fine. It was, you know, she was a very clean dog in terms of looking after herself. Because yeah. I know that some dogs are not so much. Um, and she was great during her season. She would become quite lethargic, Um not really wanting to sort of do anything extremely clingy more so than usual obviously Aww. Maggie's all about mum but yes. she would sit and stare at you and cry if you weren't touching her Aww. and it was like, I was working from Aww. home at the time and it was actually really quite difficult because I'd be like babes I just want to cuddle you all the time but I've actually got to reply to this email <laughs> um and poor if Maggie she just
1: sat there like
2: please mommy please mommy love me what me. is going <laughs> on <laughs> Um, and unfortunately, Maggie's seasons lasted between four and six weeks at a time. Ah. Um, <clears throat> so it's a really, really long time, which meant she couldn't really go out at normal times. She couldn't be off lead. Mm-hmm. Massive restrictions on sort of the way that we approach that. Um, and she'd also have a split season. So she would bleed for like a couple of months or a couple of weeks, sorry, a couple of weeks. And then she would stop for a couple of days and you'd be like, oh, it's over, it's finished, it's done. And then she'd start bleeding again. So ah. it was a really long time. arduous period to be quite honest with you um and one of the things that I noticed during this time especially was that she would be really off her food um and it felt like such a massive downfall because we'd finally got to the place where she was loving her food having solid poos and I was just like oh my god she doesn't want to eat it. oh no oh and we tried so many different things we tried feeding it partly frozen we tried flash frying it we tried hand feeding we tried different proteins different brands and she just she would pick at it she wasn't as excited for her food as she had been previously uh oh so Stressful. so what did you, what did you do <laughs> well it, it took a while i'm not gonna lie to you cat it took a while <laughs> um <laughs> i took her to the vet because i was obviously first time dog mum um first bitch and i wanted to check that everything was okay and there wasn't some kind of underlying cause as to why she wasn't eating um i'd done my research but i was like do you know what i want a vet to tell me that it's the season as to why she's not eating."
1: Sometimes um, you do kind of feel like you need to hear it from an, an authority figure. Yes, yeah, just so that yeah. it solidifies it in your mind and the panic can sort of like, you know, come on now, snap out of it. Exactly. You know?
2: Yeah. Control She's yourself. Out. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we took her to the vet and the vet was like, Yeah, sure, all fine. Um if she doesn't want to eat, maybe you should think about changing her food. Our vets aren't particularly pro or against raw food. They're kind of like you feed what you feed. So they yeah. weren't really like bashing us for feeding that. But they said you might want to have a look at it. It might be the texture, might be this, might be that. So I thought, oh, I really don't want to change her food because she's getting on so well. And then, you know, the devil on my shoulder was saying, but she's not eating her food. And is that worse or better than not eating raw? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and eventually I came to the conclusion that. I just needed to change the food. I needed to find something that she was actually going to eat because not eating is obviously worse than picking at her raw food. Yeah. Um, Cause I
1: mean, with her being such a big dog as well, it's not like she can skimp on the nutrients, no. you know, so,
2: exactly. Especially on in, in 1.2 kilos a day. So, yeah. you know, it,
1: yeah. So it's, it's not ideal. And, yeah. No, it's not. Definitely. Not. Especially with, you know, being in season is such, such a stressful time like yeah. physically on the body as well yeah. so it's essential that the nutrients are getting in there exactly um, so yeah so well you did the right thing so what did
2: you feed? <laughs> so I did some research and I really didn't want to go back to kibble and so I couldn't do a home-cooked diet because that was kind of outside of my means to be quite honest with you feeding yeah. um you know a 53 kilo dog a home-cooked diet extremely expensive and I was also really worried that I wouldn't do it right because I know it's quite particular in the kind of makeup of it I wasn't familiar with it and I didn't really think that this was the right time to try that Um, and so we landed on a wet food because I didn't want to go to kibble wet food's kind of you know the best alternative Um, and so we landed on um, an Eden there was a couple that there were the different flavors um, and she absolutely gobbled it up oh she absolutely loved it happy
1: (laughs) I know and she was
2: sort of thinking like mother why has it taken you so long to produce this for me I'm starving (laughs) (laughs) and what was it did she have loose poos no to be fair she was absolutely fine um because the other thing that I was looking at was is she losing weight because for yeah. me, that would be a concern that there is also something wrong. And, we you know, mm-hmm. weighing her almost every to be like, is she OK? Well, I say we, it's the royal we. I certainly was not picking her up. My partner was to weigh her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, she, you know, she wasn't losing any weight. Um, and so when we transferred her onto the food again, I was checking her weight to make sure that it was all OK. Yeah. And it was all fine. And so we fed her that for the duration of her season um, and then. After that I was like right we're going back to raw now. We are transitioning you back onto raw food because you know you've had you've had some time with this and now we're going back <laughs> onto that. You've had had it in your freezer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've had your cake and eating it. Now it's time time to get serious.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Oh bless.
1: Her. So did she did she was she happy going back on raw?
2: Yeah, absolutely fine. And that's how I, because that's how I would know that her season had fully finished is because she would be excited about her food again. And she'd be spinning and barking and sitting down and waiting for it and like waiting for the release command. And so I could see a massive change in her (laughs) behaviour when she was ready for it again. Oh, I love how enthusiastic they get about food. My boys, I mean, Barney will sit. He sits
1: as close to me as he can and literally <laughs> just he just sits and stares, like doesn't even blink, just waiting for the food. And Boris kind of like, Boris will sort of like run, run to the back of the kitchen, sit down, spin around, run to me oh. and, then, and then he like run out of the kitchen, spin around, come back in and he's like constantly running like around. zoomies almost. Like it's different to time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he does it they do it every single day. Oh, I oh, love that. It's like the highlight of their day is being fed, is, you know, I love it, is. it. It is. And obviously a walk as well but I have to be really careful like the way that I have to walk them is, well, I've, I've, it's better for me to walk them first thing on the morning when Barney's just woke up because he gets so overstimulated of oh, yeah, going cool. for a walk that yeah. if he's just woken up he's sort of like hmm, you know still, like wrongy, he's...
2: Sort of still waking up for the day
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so he's like he's like la- his arousal level is super low so i basically just get him straight out of bed walk him to the door put his harness on and take him straight out because yeah. if you don't that is another time when they're both like Wah! you know yeah. even if you just kind of like get you like boris will sniff my leggings And depending on which leggings I've got on, he knows if we're going out because I wear like certain leggings to take (laughs) the dogs out, and he's like, "They know, they don't, (laughs) they know." So I can't even start like just sneak it and then just say, "Right, come on," because they just know. But yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's just just goes to show as well like the power of the hormonal influence that it had on Maggie during the season because because obviously her personality changed so much.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So was
2: the same and they yeah, say well, that with with the larger dogs as well is that's why you shouldn't spay too early because there is this massive change mm-hmm. in their personality and they are still maturing as dogs. And yeah. for me seeing the like the personality change in Maggie was oh it, I was just wasn't expecting it and I was totally taken aback by it. And then when she had finished her season Maggie's always been quite, um, she's a lockdown puppy. And so she's always been a little bit noise sensitive in terms of like traffic. That's the one big trigger for her. And yeah. she used to really struggle walking alongside traffic and motorbikes in particular. And I noticed that after her season, it's all, almost as if like she'd had this new sense of confidence went out and about. It was so bizarre, so difficult yeah. to explain.
1: No, I can, I can, I can imagine what you mean. I can imagine what you mean. It's um, but I suppose it's lovely to see as well. You know, when you see the flip and you see them kind of like coming back yeah. to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was a relief
2: for both of us.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh you're <just> like, thank, <laughs> thank that is over.
2: I know, I know.
1: <laughs> so was that the same during phantom pregnancies? And and how many phantom pregnancies has she had? She had a few.
2: So, again, I did my research, Kat, and mm. basically. So she had a season and then it's normally the hormone change two to three months after they've had their season that if they're going to get a phantom pregnancy, that's when they'll get it. Uh I had no idea what a phantom pregnancy was. Didn't even know it was a thing. Um, One day Maggie was so lethargic. She didn't want to go for a walk, which is a big, big, big indicator that something's up. She was off her food. She was um, she was digging in my sofa, which she never does. She kept hiding behind a door so we had like a door in the lounge that yeah, opened yeah. against a wall so it was like a sp- an empty space behind it she would keep crawling behind there and crying in there and i was like is she hiding because she's in pain i, I like i just don't understand what's happening so again Aww. trip to the vet trip to the vet. <laughs> um and was basically told oh she thinks that she's carrying a litter of puppies i was like "What?" I didn't didn't even know didn't even didn't even know went home and there was just a whole another rabbit hole of information and research for me to do and you know oh, no. myself out well. yeah. um, the phantom pregnancies hit a lot harder um, and unfortunately with Maggie she had a season and like clockwork she'd have a phantom pregnancy what, every, um, time? every single time so she'd have one season a year and then two months later she would have the phantom pregnancy um, but the phantom pregnancy would last for like three or four months oh no and so there was about like three months of the year that I had a normal dog that would be excited to eat her food wanting to go out on walks and to be really honest it was so so stressful and every every phantom pregnancy each year got progressively worse and worse and her last one she had milk leaking out of her it was just it was everywhere um she was digging everywhere she was crying she didn't want to go out she was lethargic she didn't want to eat anything and oh. it was like anything not even the tinned food now and so it was just like this is so unfair on her yeah. on me yeah. and it was really stressful making me really sad and I thought you know what she's probably picking up on my feelings as well because I'm yeah. depressed that she's feeling yeah. this way um and yeah because I, it's
1: yeah. it's awful to think that she believes that she's having babies and she's trying to get ready to bring these babies into the world and they aren't there
2: and she would also sit there like licking her soft toys and I then felt cruel taking them away from her but that's what we were advised to do and advised not to rub her belly because that can stimulate milk flow and I just thought you know what this is so so miserable yeah And I really when I got Maggie my intention was I wanted to breed her when the time was right, i.e. when she had matured, we would do all the health testing, et cetera, et cetera. And to be quite honest with you, she's not the right dog to breed. And yeah. because of these phantom pregnancies and these seasons, I made the decision for medical purposes to spay her because yeah. quite frankly, yeah. I, I couldn't have another one. I couldn't go through it again. Yeah. It was it was the most heartbreaking thing. to to witness your dog that's just crying and and i i just wanted to shake her and go babes you're fine you're not you haven't got a litter honestly everything's gonna be okay and it was so so sad um and so yeah we decided to um get her spayed and cat she's a totally different dog oh in a good way
1: no yeah no i think it's sometimes you are faced with decisions and you know there's a i mean not so long ago it was always advised to have dog spayed at an early yeah. age it's only recently that all the all the information and the, the new studies have come out about why to wait if you're going to do it or sort of like do it through other methods um yeah. but you know sometimes you do have to make a decision based on what's best for the dog like every single dog is an individual and they all have different needs and obviously Maggie's quality of life like you say for nine months of the year is severely impacted to a point where she's miserable and stressed and depressed (laughs) and you are so you know in that kind of situation you do have to kind of take drastic action and and go with what is right for Maggie and like you say since she's been spayed you've had no more issues so all it might not have been what you wanted to do but at the end it's what's best for Maggie and that's you know it's exactly. a really sensible it's a sensible thing to do so well done for doing no, it and you know you you have advocated for Maggie in the best possible way yeah. in yeah situation and
2: so. that's my job as her mum is it you is. know and I will continue to do that to continue advocating for her that's you know what I'm here
1: for exactly exactly that and sometimes it you know it, it might go against the grain or it might go against things that we don't particularly want to do like with you saying you you had to feed her the wet food <laughs> yeah. which is something that you don't you don't you no longer agree with and you know obviously conflicted with yourself to, to feed her that but it was just for a short time and it kept her happy in doing so and I think as long as you make these decisions with with Maggie's best interest in mind then that's you know you should just take peace from that and that you know be happy from that and be Definitely. happy for maggie
2: exactly <laughs> and, and seeing the dog in front of me now yeah. I look back and think that has just confirmed that I made the right decision. Yeah. If, if she'd have been the same, I would have thought, oh, maybe it wasn't the seasons and the Phantom pregnancies as <laughs> to why yeah. she was that way. But yeah. to- totally different dog. And that makes me happy because she's back to the bouncy, zoomy, full of energy, energy dog who's excited for her food, you know, and her, her life is now not impacted because she can go out for walks, off lead, blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. And she wants to eat beautiful food. And exactly. she, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't <laughs> hide behind the dog. No, I
2: it oh. makes me so sad to think back honestly and I it know. was just such a stressful time such a stressful time
1: well um betty had a phantom pregnancy after her first season i think betty had her first season at around nine months um, okay yeah so she had hers at nine months but she was she was a severely deformed dog so she had and it wasn't just physically it was like her internal makings as well mm. so um she had one at nine months and then following that she had a phantom pregnancy and i remember she was exhibiting a lot of the same behaviors she was like um like getting obsessed over little toys and she was obsessed with josh my partner like she just literally (laughs) wanted she just literally wanted to sit and just lick him constantly like uh, all the time, like she just wouldn't leave him alone. In fact, <laughs> that's so funny. That that photograph up there is of Betty. I'm gonna get it just to show you. This is this is in the in the house that we lived in when we had Betty and Boris. And this is Josh. He's sat on the floor, and that's Betty just obsessively oh. asking him for kisses. And that's what she was like. And that was the most adorable boris's little head there poking out in the background that's what she was like (laughs) (laughs) and if and if he turned away to like look at the tv or something she'd be like you know she was just obsessed but i remember thinking like we went to the vet and they gave us some like hormone drops to kind of bring her out of it you know to Mm. get rid of all the pregnancy hormones and bring her back to normality but I remember thinking oh she thinks she's gonna have babies and she isn't having babies and it was just so heartbreaking to think that she thought she was gonna be a mum but there wasn't actually anything there and I couldn't even tell her you know I know that's (laughs) the
2: the hard part is I just want to tell you that it's all gonna be okay (laughs)
1: Yeah. Aww. But I don't think it lasted too long to be honest um from what I can remember. So uh, yeah. it was nothing compared to like what you've said that you you know suffered with Maggie. Yeah,
2: that's one Aww. way of describing it, Cat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you've made it out the other end though. So, you know, exactly. you did good. You did good. <laughs> so, um obviously, um what um aside from let me just think so, we know that you predominantly feed a raw food diet, and then during seasons, you switch to wet food. But was there anything in terms of sort of like natural support that you used throughout her seasons or her phantom pregnancies that you found helpful?
2: So we, on the first occasion that we took her to the vet with the phantom pregnancy, they offered us a tablet. I think it sounds very similar to what you've just described for Betty. And it was a tablet and it would be for seven days. And it was effectively a hormone blocker. Um, And they said that was when she was leaking milk. And they said that that would prevent her from producing the milk but it wouldn't necessarily change the symptoms of the phantom pregnancy and so I sort of was like oh don't really want to give her something if it's not going to help with everything because the milk isn't really the main issue it's the depressive state and the not eating and if it's not going to affect that and I also want to say that it was something like 25 pounds per tablet and she would need it for seven days and so we were looking at like over 300 pounds worth of pills that may or may not work. and so we just said look no we i don't want to pay that i don't want to give it to her because it's not going to sort everything and Mm -hmm. so again i opened up my google browser (laughs) and did some research um and we found that um raspberry leaf tablets um we reached out to our breeder actually and she recommended those um and so we purchased some of those and i didn't really have high expectations um but Mm -hmm. they say that you should when your dog is starting their season that is when you should supplement the raspberry leaf tablets. So it's meant to support them hormonally through the season. So when I actually started using it, because obviously first season, first phantom pregnancy, I had no idea what was going on. So second yeah. year round, I was more prepared. <laughs> we yeah. were in a place where we could actually assist. Um, <laughs> you got the tool. Yeah, exactly. On time. Right. Yeah. It's time. I've got the knickers. I've got the raspberry <laughs> leaf tablets. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, and so I as soon as she started her season, I started giving her the raspberry leaf tablets. The first thing I noticed was her season was not split. So she continuously bled and it was much, much shorter. So instead of like the six weeks of bleeding, I want to say it was like three or four weeks, which is still quite long, but it was substantially less. And I thought, hmm, okay, these seems to be working. So continued them over. um, And for the phantom pregnancy, To be quite honest with you, I'm not sure that I noticed much of a difference. But because they say that they get progressively worse each time, I kind of had nothing to compare it to because I didn't know how that season, that Southampton pregnancy was going to go. And Uh, so I continued taking them every year that she had one. I would continue because it helped with the season 100%. um, And, you know, if if I had another bitch, I would definitely do exactly the same thing because I do think it was beneficial. Um, There are other things as well that... The name of them doesn't come to my mind immediately, but there is um, an oil that you can provide. Cat, you might know. There's an oil that you can give, um, and you're meant to have that alongside the raspberry leaf tablets. And that's also meant to assist with a phantom pregnancy. And I can't think of the name now. Is it? It's not borage oil, is it? Is it? It's like a blue um, flower. Yes. Bor- that's, borage. That's it.
1: Yes. Is it? I don't know if it's borage or borage. I think it borage sounds very. Borage. <laughs> probably depends where you're from
2: <laughs> yeah i i don't know but that that is it's the blue flower one yes for sure yeah
1: yeah it's that one that one is really good as well for helping with grief in pets so if you pet ever so that's probably why they use it you know maybe in phantom pregnancies because yeah. they've you know obviously the hormones are everywhere but that apparently if you have like a pet loss in the family and you have a pet left behind if they are suffering from a bit of grief or you know if an owner's gone or things like that then that is supposed to be a really good supplement for that as well yeah I haven't actually tried
2: it um personally so I don't know from experience but that is why I've read no we didn't try it because I found out after I'd spayed Maggie and I sort of thought well that would have been helpful to know six months ago but yeah. you know we, we are where we are <laughs> i have got some growing in the garden
1: though so i'm i mean Ooh. i don't know how i'll make the oil but i'm i'm looking forward to trying some of it fresh from the garden
2: <laughs> in the summer we'll be bottling it and selling it in no time cap <laughs> <laughs> we'll make some tinctures yes exactly but we could have done with that six months ago <laughs> oh
1: i know i know i think sometimes it's just sod's law though isn't it like yeah, you know, it is But sometimes the struggles that we have to go through are what make us that much more rounded and, you know, knowledgeable in the end. And like now, if you do, you know, get another bitch, then you'll know exactly what to look for and you'll be able to start things from the word get go. And every day is a school day in this respect.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that is so true. Couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs>
1: that and now it's like all the reading and the studying that I've done over the past like eight years, and I still learn new things constantly. And I'm still like, I'll be reading something new, and I'm like, oh you know it makes so much sense you know like yeah. if you listen to like a different if you when you listen to like different speakers like Holistic Vets and you know different webinars and things that I listen to yeah. and watch and then you know just sometimes somebody else saying talking about the same topic but presenting it in a different way it's sort of like you know yeah. it's just your jigsaw pieces everything. are all sort of falling yeah. into place yeah yeah it's fascinating really so but this like this conversation as well because I mean I have obviously had the experience with Betty and Her season and her phantom pregnancy, but that was within like the first year of me being a grown-up dog mom. So at that point, I didn't know zip about anything. Like as the difference between that person eight years ago and me sitting here today is like I literally didn't know anything. So you know, I wouldn't even, (laughs) I wouldn't have even thought to look at what herbs can I supplement to help with this. That's why you wouldn't, would you? No, you just don't. like. I it's just not the natural to...
2: thing to think, yeah.
1: No, not in this world. No, it's not. <laughs> but that is what we need to change.
2: We agree. We do. That's we need to raise need the to awareness change. that there are holistical approaches.
1: Yeah, I know. I was talking today about how um i was listening to this um i can't remember the name of her now and it's really bugging me because i I want to watch this i want to watch this video again that i've watched it was a few weeks ago (laughs) it's basically a holistic vet, and she um she was saying that um when she gets um a patient in like a a cat or a dog that has cancer the first thing that she does it is it isn't to treat the tumor or to try and remove the tumor or to you know she doesn't talk through options of treatments with the owners about whether they're going to do chemo or removal or things like that the first thing she will do is, is to you know tackle the immune system and to try and build the immune system strength up and change the diet and add in herbs and supplements to try and you know give the body back strength because obviously cancer is such a it's such a horrible disease and it drains life from the body so that in order yes. for the body to be able to heal itself it needs to first be repaired and which it makes so, sense when you say it, it makes so that's this is what i mean it's like it's, <laughs> it sounds like common sense but yeah. nobody thinks that way everybody thinks oh no it's cancer let's chop it off or you know let's yeah let's get rid of it chemotherapy, let's get rid of it but it's like she was saying that the body is in such a fragile state already that it might not even be able to cope with chemotherapy or the, the intense surgery of having it removed oh, and things yeah. and that usually just by you know building up the immune system the body gets back its own ability to heal itself and then if you change the food and remove carbs and things like that then um it wasn't quite as good as nine times out of ten but she did say you know a lot of the time The cancer or the tumors they would shrink or you know they would start to reduce and the animals then could go on to like have a decent quality of life and they wouldn't need to have chemotherapy or surgery and I was just absolutely fascinated by it because I was thinking imagine how scary as a vet though in this world making that decision which goes against everything conventional you know like you would (laughs) You know, to be in that position to say, "I'm not actually going to treat that cancer. I'm going to treat your immune system." Like, as a, if you walked into a vet and your vet said that to you, as a new, newfound dog mom, you'd be like, "Hello, yeah. what the the hell? You would, though, wouldn't
2: you? You would. But, yeah. I mean, even just... as a human, if my doctor said that to me, I'd be like, "Um,
1: sorry, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's just, and I think because this, I, oh, you know, it's bugging me that I can't remember a name, but, um. I just thought, you know, that's absolutely amazing. And the more time she does it, the more time it just reinforces that it's the right thing yeah. that she's that she's doing. I don't know if it depends on like what you know, if it's a certain type of cancer or what stage it's at, or you know, things like that. Obviously, there's a lot of variables yeah. that come into play. But definitely I do think, you know, herbal medicine is so so powerful. And
2: yeah, just totally like you agree. say,
1: you added some raspberry leaf tea. Is it raspberry leaf tea or just ra- raspberry leaf?
2: Or it's is it the same? Those, raspberry leaf tea tablets tablets it's yeah it's the, ex- the extract from the leaf
1: and i think sometimes we do forget that you know medicines are derived from plants <laughs> yeah. so why wouldn't they help us when we have you know a situation exactly. where we need them so so oh, yes <laughs> <laughs> there is still a wealth of knowledge to
2: be learned though i am sure of it um, i'm learning every day cat so i totally know, agree I'll with know. that
1: Yeah well this is why we're here so I wonder if anyone else who who might listen to this podcast has had the same struggles as you and now might be able to go and get some raspberry leaf or some borage
2: (laughs) oil. I hope so I hope so.
1: (laughs) And give it a try. Um, So out of this experience with Maggie's eating habits and seasons and phantom pregnancies what would you say what has been the best thing about this journey in terms of what you have learned along the way
2: well I think that's a difficult question because I feel as though the journey itself was so difficult in the moment and I found it so so stressful I didn't enjoy it at all to be quite honest with you I would really wish that she didn't have a season and didn't have a phantom pregnancy because of the time that we had but for me coming out the other side of it and, yeah. you know, if I was in that situation again, this is how I would deal with it. Um, but the knowledge that I've learned, obviously, I'm not going to impact it with Maggie now because she's been spayed. She's never going to have another seasonal phantom pregnancy. Um, and so the knowledge that I had, I obviously, I've got Maggie's Instagram um, and I, you know, documented quite candidly the struggles that Maggie and I went through with the seasons and the phantom pregnancies and not, you know, not trying to raise awareness, but, to make it more commonly known that these are things that do happen to dogs and because I had no idea that it was actually a thing Um, (laughs) and so reassuring other you know dog mums that this is normal this happens to more dogs than you think Um, and I guess that having that knowledge and, and doing all of that research to make sure it didn't go to waste, I wanted to implement it and, and to try and assist other dog moms that were going through something similar or worse than Maggie's situation to at least try and help them and make it a less stressful time for them because I'd been through it and didn't want anyone else to have to go through that. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, because, I mean, this every, every pet parent knows what it's like to have severe anxiety about their pet. And yeah. I think you know, we all know, especially because they communicate in such a different way than what we do. I mean, we just talk yeah. about we can talk about things and you know we can explain. <laughs> yeah. But when they can't speak and you can see it in their eyes and their faces because you know yeah. your dog and you know yeah. their body language and you know their daily aura or you know whatever their energy and if something's off you know you know yourself immediately immediately that's what i mean and i think you know that as soon as you know something's wrong you're like what is it i need to know and i need to know right now because i need to fix it as soon as possible and that is (laughs) it's one of the scariest things about owning pets it really is it's the fear of losing them isn't it it's the fear of losing them um and it's just i know i know it is it is it is and i think that's that's why i'm so deeply involved with everything that i do now is because of what happened with betty like a a situation where you can come out the other end and your pet is fine and healthy that is a a perfect situation for everybody but to have to go through something where in the end you actually lose your pet then that i think that's why i I am so obsessed with everything like this um and that is i think you know the anxiety is real and it's real for a lot a lot of people and I think sometimes it's overlooked in pet parenting like sometimes you go on Instagram and it's all rainbows and, and yeah yeah and I think you know we should talk about it a bit more and for people who do need help it's great that people like yourself have that information readily available so that it is there for people to see even if they might not feel comfortable enough to sort of like reach out to you and say i really yeah. struggling with this. Can you help me? But making that information accessible is such a great thing to do. Because something mean you don't have to, you don't you know, you could have just kept you all to yourself <laughs> and be like, I know what to do. I know. <laughs> you
2: know you can well, we created ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've created actually a highlight on Maggie's Instagram documenting everything so that you know people can, if you don't feel as though you could reach out and message someone because you don't know them, there's a highlight. You can go and have a look and it, you know, get the information yeah. for yourself. It's, you know, research tool.
1: Yeah. So thank you ever so much for doing that. That's great. So um I will pop a link to Maggie's Instagram in the in the show notes for this <laughs> okay. as well so if people do want to find that information or if you just want to see what maggie looks like and believe me you do <laughs> <laughs> then you can go on and follow her journey um so what what's her instagram is it at maggie.bullmastiff or is it That's yeah, correct. yeah 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 so it's at maggie.bullmastiff and that you know if you want to find out more about maggie or you're interested in learning about her journey then go and follow along <laughs> um, oh she's such a sweet girl though isn't she, you, you know, she I just know I'm like biased met... but she is yeah well I felt like I've met her in person like a million times and I've not actually ever met her once <laughs> I
2: just I feel, feel like I know her that, though over Instagram yeah you when you watch you stories and you see their personalities and you know you feel like you feel like you know these dogs I've got loads of Instagram you friends do. I've never met any of their dogs but I feel like I know them all personally yeah
1: I know. I know, and like, if something happens, I'm like, oh, oh no, oh. you know, it's like it really gets to me. I don't, I'm surprised I oh, haven't I cry. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. I, I was surprised I haven't come on here tonight calling you Maggie.
2: <laughs> oh Cause... well, my, where we live, we get called Mags and Gabs, and that's kind of like our duo name. Ah. And even even oh, my, my partner God. calls me Mags. My oh, I me and Gabs. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> it's interchangeable. <laughs> At least you know what he means. Yeah, well, they, don't they say that um, owners look like their dogs?
1: I think so. I think <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I know. Well, mine are Boston Terriers, so that says a lot about me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I've got a big, slobbery 83 kilo, 83 kilo <laughs> dog. Um, so, yeah, that's me as well.
1: <laughs> oh, dearie me. Oh, right, so is there I think you've pretty much covered this anyway but is there anything you would say to other parents that might be struggling with similar issues um on on their journey with seasons in Spain like if the one thing that you could do to offer them support what would it be
2: I think for me it would be having um a designated person to go to um Mm -hmm. I was very lucky in terms of um our breeder um i could go to her and she had the relevant experience and i felt like i wanted to do it holistically didn't feel as though i could go to my vets for that and so having that designated person who has some knowledge more than i do um, and can pass that on that's what i found really beneficial
1: yeah yeah so finding somebody else with similar experiences and knowledge basically so you could find a holistic veterinarian i suppose or like you say the wonderful community of instagram Our social media there are lots and lots lots and lots of people offering support out there it's just knowing where to find it I suppose um
2: exactly and to do your own research as well I think
1: yeah 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 because Because I mean even if you do find
2: dog yeah
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. No, it's fine. Uh, You you took the words right out of my mouth and we're going to say every dog is an individual. So, you know, even though you might find someone who has a similar shared experience, it might not be the same for your dog. So. I think one thing that's important to remember is always focus on your unique case so like you can try different things but try to look at it from a perspective yeah. where you keep your dog's individuality in mind so you know if they do have particular intolerances and things like that or sensitivities to certain food types then you know that certain herb might not be a good choice for your dog so just because it works exactly in the situation yeah. then just make sure it's compatible with your dog too yeah. Yeah. I'll oh, totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, but I think sometimes we sometimes we can be that desperate for something to work that we just want to try it all.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the quick fix all. scenario. You know, your dog is in this kind of world of pain and you want a quick fix situation that's going to solve it. And that's not always, unfortunately, that's not always the case. And you know, yeah. research and trial and error is a massive, massive part of it as well.
1: It is definitely with holistic as well. Like, I mean, sometimes it can take a couple of days or weeks or even months to see differences because, you know, subtle changes are what happens with holistic medicine. But it's not always a bad thing because you can't always see things on the outside from what's happening on the inside. So, you know, don't lose faith if you don't see results like yesterday. Immediately. <laughs> yeah,
2: yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: Yeah, Ah well, I think. What do you have um, planned for the future? Then, obviously, you've got nowhere but Instagram to put all this knowledge, because now Maggie's not going to have any more seasons of no. phantom pregnancies. But in terms of um, your natural and holistic journey, just in general, whether it's like your food, do you have any future
2: plans for you and Mags? Oh, um, well, we're we're already sort of doing the the raw raw food um my my goal I guess for this year for us would be to um increase the quality of food um a quality of the meat and um the ethical background and how it's sourced rather than um just buying sort of like the cheap because Maggie is a big dog it is expensive to feed her that's part and parcel of having a bull mastiff um but since Maggie's space she's suffered quite a lot from acid reflux and so we've actually transitioned her onto a low-fat raw diet and oh, you wow. do so this find... is the next problem <laughs> oh yeah this is the next podcast cat <laughs> <laughs> that's the next topic lined up oh
1: definitely definitely but sorry what were you saying we changed onto low um, fat
2: oh so and you find that a lot of the cheaper cuts and the cheaper brands don't offer low fat and when I actually looked at the food that I was feeding I was actually quite shocked by the fat content and I know some fat is good and your new dog needs that fat to be able to function um but yeah. we have moved her on to under 15 percent um and worked a lot on gut health um because it was of the um you know where they in, intubate the, the dog with the tube and the anesthetic and getting that all out of her system um and working on that and I think that would sort of be our goal um, or continuing goal for this yeah. year um, to continue that diet and continue sourcing our meat from ethical sources and looking at sort of behind the brand rather than just what is the cheapest on the market to feed my dog
1: yeah yeah and it is it's is difficult though because I mean like you say with even just feeding fresh can be quite expensive when you are looking at the premium brands which are you know whether they're organic or free-range chickens and things like that and yep. stuff like that is important it really is important but if you are in a position where you can't afford that then you know fresh food is still better than kibble um definitely and and that the thing it's it's
2: working within your means what works for you and yeah
1: everyone's different so do you how long has she been on the less than 15 percent fat diet now
2: um so we've only just upped it to less than 15 before that she was on less than 10 and anything more than 10 she would have a flare-up whereas now because we've been working on the gut health we've it's slowly 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 but we are now starting to notice a difference and so we've now upped to the 15 percent. obviously mixing in really really low fat and like under 15 um and yeah. Touchwood hasn't had a flare up for a long long time um oh, and wow. so i would probably probably say since her spay she's been on the low fat so yeah. when was that that would have been february of this year wow and she hasn't had a flare up for
1: ages that's really good uh, yeah. because i mean yeah. acid reflux is something that's really hard to get control of and yes. it's another sticky situation
2: that you don't it really is want and really again eat. another one where your dog is so individual individual that what works for one dog is not going to work for your dog and we've done so many things with maggie trial and error and i feel as though we finally got into a routine um that works for her and does keep acid reflux kind of at bay. So Touchwood will continue with that.
1: Oh, that's fabulous. I will be super excited to hear about that story because acid reflux (laughs) is something that, well, I think Barney hasn't had acid reflux as such, but he has had issues with sort of like regurgitation and things like that. And I find that is to do with his, well, the thing with Barney is he has been sent to test me he really has he has got serious (laughs) sort of like um he's got gi issues he really has but he has gi issues because he suffers from chronic stress because he is such he's just he's just not wired up right he's just not and i do genuinely think it stems from him being in that time sensitive period when he was a puppy you know i mean he has, pup- yeah there's two periods when the puppies isn't aware if something bad happens to them in that stage it affects their development and behavior them, later, right?
2: of, yeah
1: yeah and in one of those stages when he was a puppy is when everything happened with my dad passing away and yeah. betty and obviously i personally was severely impacted mentally in that period of time and betty was sort of like the Leader of the pack, sort of thing. She was the yeah. she was the mum of the boys. You know, she well, she had small dog syndrome anyway. So you know, if anyone was like not not that anyone would come near us, but you know, she was sort of like the defender of the gang. Um, yeah. And it really, it really did hit hit them both hard when we lost Betty because I mean Boris's seizures started getting worse so I was stressed about that as well so you can imagine yeah. and stress stress from the owner really does impact stress in the dog this is going oh, to be one of 100%. the topics that I'm going to do on the shorts I think because it is so you know it's such a huge impact on the dog and I genuinely think that's where it went wrong for Barney and I think that's why he suffers from chronic stress because he is so he, he was that that series of events just just basically just shot his nervous system to bits I think during that time and since then since then you know I have to work really hard every day to kind of keep him calm and to give him a routine and then I've tried so many different foods and we've done so many different gut resets because if he gets too stressed out then he has you know he's being sick and he can't tolerate certain foods and well, honestly, it's just cycle and, I know, I know. But then obviously once you've got the gut in tatters, then everything else falls to pieces. And then, yep. you know, sometimes when he goes out, in, if it's, he stands on wet grass, he has a severe allergic reaction to that. And then he's like coming in and he's nibbling and then, ah, oh, honestly. So he hasn't had acid, re, acid reflux as such, but he has had issues with like regurgitation and stuff. And I mean, yeah. I, I feed him the chunks now because I find that he tolerates it better than the mincers. You know the pre-made pre-made yeah. but so yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Think we should discuss that in another episode. If you're happy, it's coming. Yes, <laughs> always,
2: always. <laughs> right, I can talk about well, that until the cows come home. So yes. Oh,
1: definitely. I know, I know. This is a thing, isn't it? I think we just get carried, we just get carried away. But that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to do the podcast is because, you know, I live in the countryside. I live quite a solitary lifestyle. Just me and my family, and then you know I. People in the house do love dogs, but they don't love dogs as much as me and you. So you know <laughs> it's great to be able to come on and talk about dogs for you know nearly an hour, and it's absolutely fabulous. That. I have really enjoyed chatting with you this evening. So thank you ever so much for being a guest on the podcast. And thanks I for having me, Cat. Can- no, you are more than welcome. um So I think that probably just about wraps up the conversation. Um, if you are interested in following maggie and gabriella's journey then don't forget to check out the show notes for i'll put a link on to maggie's instagram so you can just follow it straight there and hit the follow button or if you just want to search it's at maggie.bullmassive maggie m-a-g-g-i-e yeah and there we go so i will catch up with you soon
2: thank you ever so much Kat. take care
0: (laughs) thank you see you later bye thanks for listening to another great episode of the my dog made me do it naturally podcast don't forget to check out the caption for any links discussed here today and please if you enjoyed the show follow along and listen for free on your favorite podcast app if you have any questions or would like to share your story feel free to email me at my made me do it at gmail.com Thanks for listening. purpose of this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and should not be substituted as advice from a veterinarian or other professional. It does not form a client relationship with me, the host, or any guest speakers, and any information is not intended to, and does not diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. And my guests express our own views, thoughts, and opinions as individuals, and the podcast neither endorses or opposes the views, products, or services discussed here. If your pet is ill, always seek advice from your veterinarian. I am not a veterinarian and I do not treat disease or offer medical advice.